Hey, what's going on, everybody? The Clippers stink. I I thought a lot about how to start this podcast, and I don't want to be disrespectful to Clippers fans. You all got a lot to deal with already. And maybe you're a Clippers fan that's listening to this podcast for the first time, but the Clippers do stink. That's just true. I'm going to recant this, actually. I should actually restart the podcast. The Clippers don't immutably stink. They just don't matter. The Clippers have never mattered. Even when they mattered, they didn't matter, matter. But that's the great thing about the First Ballot Podcast. We celebrate the best moments, and moments can happen to anyone. They're not reserved for the Jordans and LeBrons. Rudy Gay's in our Hall of Fame. Christ, that's not even Rudy Gay. There's a drunk fan who hated Rudy Gay in our Hall of Fame. So, dear Los Angeles Clippers and LA Clippers fans, welcome to the First Ballot Hall of Fame. Your impressive, near unbelievable history of not mattering has no bearing here. We're just looking for the best Clippers moments, and it might just have happened on June 18th, 2021. Game six of the Western Conference semifinals between the Utah Jazz and the aforementioned LA Clippers. The Jazz are the number one seed out west, but this might actually be the best Clippers team in franchise history. And this might be the Clippers' best shot in an NBA title. Let's start the series. Utah protects home court and wins two close games. That's something called the Vivint Smart Home Arena. Okay. But the Clippers immediately answer, blowing out the Jazz in games three and four. However, in the closing minutes of that game four win, with a nearly 20-point lead, Kawhi Leonard is driving to the lane when he's bumped by Joe Ingles. Leonard is fouled, and he's limping. And the crowd just went a little quiet. He grabbed the right leg oh, right away. take a step there. Yeah. Kawhi stayed in the game but would come out one minute later and did not play another minute for the rest of the 2021 Clippers season. The Clippers' best player on maybe their best team. He's out of the playoffs. In the middle of a series against the top seed of Jazz, the series must go on without Kawhi, but the Clips still steal Game 5 in Utah and take a 3-2 series lead. But with Kawhi out, has the Clippers' luck run out? You could smell the impending doom. Game six, the Jazz, who are trying to force that game seven back in Utah, take a commanding 22-point lead into halftime behind 22 first-half points from Donovan Mitchell and 21 points from Kuya Jordan Clarkson. The first shot of the second half is a deep three from Don Mitchell, and the Clips are down without Kawhi by 25. And then it happens. The Clippers started to put together a little run. After falling behind by 25, reel off nine in a row. Another turnover. Terrence Mann, some good defense. Three on one. Mann to the basket, lays it up and in. And Terrence Mann was just getting started. Reggie Jackson races up the floor. Terrence Mann wide open for three. Pucks it in. Terrence Mann has 29. And on the very next possession, Mann drives. Mann finishes. Mann's on a tear. And now the rest of the Clippers get into the act bombing from deep and shelling the Utah Jazz. Jackson for three. Got it! The three-point madness continues. Nick Batum connects on a three. Beverly, even Beverly getting into the act. Paul George, a three-pointer. That's good. Batum for three. Got it! Terrence Mann for three. Bang! By the end of this game, the Clippers didn't just come back from down 25. They won by 12, 
a 37-point turnaround in one half. And on top of that, they closed the series and went to the franchise's first Western Conference Finals ever. True history for the L.A. Clippers and a great sports moment. This is First Ballot. Rhythm J on the beat. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matters and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the Google podcast, Eric Piatkowski, the half-Filipino, half-Jewish Loy Vaught, you know what it is, Neil Faruka Minu, coming to you live from Skill Neil Office Depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair in my basement studio. Today's episode of the First Ballot Hall of Fame podcast could be sponsored by Blake Lively's read of I Want to Go With You from the very entertaining 2010 Ben Affleck movie, The Town. Let's listen to it together. (laughs) You can't stay. I don't want to stay. I want to go with you. (laughs) Okay. That's it. Now, what's important to remember here is that The Town is set in Boston, and therefore this is Blake Lively's Boston accent. Let's listen to it again. I want to go with you. Okay. (laughs) Ben Affleck's got one more job in town and then he's going to blow this pop stand and Blake Lively in the movie is his former girlfriend and she's telling him that she would like to accompany him out of town as he leaves. Let's hear it another time. Hey, I want to go with you. Okay, read the movie. <laughs> I actually enjoy the town. I think it's very enjoyable. It's very entertaining. Go rent the movie at your local Blockbuster video today or wherever you get your movie rentals. I want our guests to know... I wrote that before I realized that he directed the, the television show Blockbuster on Netflix, but I'm going to leave that in because it sounds clever. Game six of the 2021 Western Conference semifinals between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Utah Jazz. The Terrence Mann game is a great sports moment, but is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? That's what we have to decide here today. And here to do it with me is the director and co-executive producer of the new hit Netflix sitcom Blockbuster. He's also no doubt directed one of your favorite shows, Let's list just a few. Black Monday, Grand Crew, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Sasha Baron Cohen's Who is America, The Last Man on Earth, The Good Place, and Key and Peele. It's the very funny, the proudly Iranian, the gifted and talented Payman Benz. Payman. What's up, man? Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, man. What an intro. Holy crap. Uh, Do you have an opinion on Blake Lively's uh, Boston accent in the town? I mean, it's it's funny. I've never. I actually don't think I watched that movie, and now I want to watch it because that was crazy. It's it honestly sounded like it got worse every time you played it. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. First off, I think she does a. I think she does a great job, and the movie's very entertaining. I just I love that uh, read, and any chance I have to quote that line, I do it. Okay, payment right off the top here, right out of the shoe, right from the rip. I want you to set the table for me. What's your favorite sport, your favorite team, and your favorite athlete of all time? My favorite sport is basketball. Um, uh, My favorite team is the L.A. Clippers, uh, who are uh, the unfortunate franchise. And uh, and my favorite, I mean, all time, it's got to be. 
I mean, it's hard. I want to say Jordan, but I want to mix it up. I think my favorite player ever is probably Jamal Crawford. I love, wow. I, I love Jamal so much, man. Isn't he the best? He's so fun, man. A great I, answer. I, I, I love Jamal Crawford. I just saw a clip online. Uh, it was like, J.R. Smith would score you the loudest 15 points a game. And <laughs> we reposted that, and I'm like, that's really – to me, not all baskets are worth the same. Yes, they're all two points, but some things are more important. And to me, the Jamal Crawfords, the J.R. Smiths, they didn't just score and, and make baskets and score points for their team. They entertained the fans, and that matters on this show. I, I'm all about that, man. The theater of it and the and the guys yes. that understand the moment. In yes. fact, I just the, the game that we're talking about today, I rewatched this morning. Yes. And I appreciate uh, that. And there's a lot of the showmanship is so fun. And that's yes. why. I, and it's funny as I get older and maybe because I work in entertainment. He, my girlfriend, when we started dating, was the kind of person who would literally say, go sports ball. <laughs> and the first time she said it, I was like. We're going to have problems. <laughs> like, you cannot be that person. And and she's an actor and she's into like, you know, Shakespeare and all that. And I took her to a game and I was like, you have to look at this as theater. Right. And and there's good. There's bad. Right. We're rooting for them. They're rooting for them there. And, and basketball, especially because it's it's the teamwork and ball movement is that amazing ensemble thing. But then sometimes someone like a Terrence man just has like a killer monologue for like five minutes where you're like, Oh my God. And you know, every ball's going in and, and now she gets it. And then now she's a very frustrated Clipper fan. So like (laughs) I, I, uh, I did not do well by her. her. I screwed her. I screwed her. Uh, That's amazing. You're and you're absolutely right. Basketball is my favorite because it's such a team game, and then also there are moments where it is just one guy taking over, and that's just so fun to be able to see both of those in the same sort of court in the same arena. It's fantastic. It's the best. I always go back to that. There's a clip in LeBron's first stint with the Cavs against the Bucks, where he scores like 16 points yes. in like five yeah. minutes. Right. And the irony is – Every time he gets the ball before half court, everybody knows whatever he does is going in. But in the middle of that run, he missed every free throw. (laughs) It's just like so crazy. But it's also amazing because he's like getting the inbound and the audience is all, it's almost like they've seen it before. And they're like, well, he's in the flow. The ball's on a string. It's going in that hoop. And it's like, dude, there's nothing, even when it, I've seen many comebacks and, unfortunate losses for the Clippers. I was at game six against Houston, that big meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I remember still as much as it sucked, I remember thinking like, that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was like <laughs> that was really cool. That was a great comeback. Like that's amazing. Yeah, so I basketball's the best, man. It's the best. Uh you're for, first off, you're a you're a you're a better man than I because when I watch my team lose, I'm a absolute monster. Just a monster to anyone within earshot. Uh, the other thing is I couldn't agree uh, with you more about the comeback or a giant run. Any time where everyone in the arena knows what's going to happen, that is never addressed. It's never – we never t- we don't talk about that enough. Yeah. It's like a, a unified thing that we're all in and a part of. You feel like as a fan that you have something to do with what's going on. The players are just like moving in perfect unison. You know the basket's going in. You know they're going to call the timeout. The arena's going to go nuts. And we all know it's going to happen, and it still yes. happens. It's so delicious. It's so every, fantastic. Every time. I mean, what I love is when like the road team 
does like an ankle breaker and the crowd is like, we got to give it up. That was pretty sick. (laughs) Like when that famous one where Steph did the thing on CP that made him do the twister meme. Like I know there was a lot of Warriors fans, but even the Clippers fans were like, that was great. (laughs) It's so Yeah. I love that. All right. I want to be serious here for a moment. Yeah. I know a lot of these episodes of this show skew toward fun, celebration, maybe even at times comedy, but I want to be serious right now because I honestly think there's something that Payman Benz does not know, but it's very important. It could be crucially important to you, the rest of your life, your family, and I do want to mention I think it could change your life. Do you know, and it seems like that you do not, but do you know that you can switch who your favorite team is? You can just change it. You can change it. You I, don't have I, to be a Clippers fan. I can't. I can't, man. Like, <laughs> and you know, my my, I had a buddy of mine who's a comedian who had signed with CAA, and he had not booked anything, so they gave him passes to their suite to a Clipper game. He didn't get a Laker game because he hadn't booked anything yet. So <laughs> he called me and was like, "Yo, do you want to go to a Clipper game in a, in a suite?" I was like, "Yeah, dude. I've never sat in a suite before." So this is the year that. The New England Patriots were undefeated and eventually lost in the Super Bowl. It It was Monday night they were playing. We walk into the suite and I just see a bunch of coked out agents in suits (laughs) sitting on the couch watching Monday night football while the Clippers were literally playing (laughs) behind them. And I was like, why would you even drive downtown? And then like, just because I was like, screw these like, these fancy rich jerks, like, I'm going to be a Clipper fan. So I like sat, in the, I was the only one sitting in the seats. Cause there was like two rows there at Staples yeah. and I'll always call it Staples. And, uh, and then the Clippers were down and then they had a great comeback and then they lost at the end, which is a pattern I've become used to <laughs> since. And it was that night where I was like, screw it. I'm going for the underdog, this like Look dog shit team, but it was before lob city. And then lob city, like right. Lob City was frustrating. It was fun, but it was frustrating. So that was the the, the crux of it. It was more like spite. I became right. a fan out of spite, <laughs> and just because I I always tend to root for the underdogs. That's just always where I go. I know this is too deep, but even as like an immigrant, I always feel like I don't belong. So oh, I'm like, geez. oh, I I I I identify with the Clippers more. You. Although, like, I'd probably be way more satisfied had I picked the the Niners as a kid, right, had I picked right. the Giants. But I also like understand what is hilarious about the Clippers losing. <laughs> like when they blew it in the bubble, I, I a lot of my Clipper fan friends weren't happy with me, but I was like, I I know, I know it sucks, but it is funny. Like, it's like, it's really funny that they blew it. Like the way that they, another Doc Rivers team lost the same way. (laughs) Like it's, I was like, you can't, I can't work in comedy and not, and not be honest. Like some of these collapses are hysterical, man. Like, come on. But I still want them to win, but who cares? Like, how dare you drop the immigrant thing? That is virtually the only thing you could say to the sort of <laughs> underdog to tie it to your sort of immigrant story. My father's an immigrant. It's the only thing you could have said that would made me that would make me relent here. Please tell us your immigrant story. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, yeah. I was born in uh, in Iran in 1978. Like right. Right as things were getting real spicy. Uh, my parents were like, it was a good time to have a second kid. Uh, and uh, and we, we left actually probably when I was like five or six months old. And then 
a lot of our family did. And then one of my dad's friends was like, hey, it's cool now. <laughs> and then we went, we were the only ones that went back. Mm. And then when I was four, um, because we were on the opposition side, we were basically the, you know, the good guys became the bad guys in Iran. Right, the right. Ayatollah came over and was like, I'm going to make this place great. And then everything has gone to chaos since. Yeah. It sounds familiar. And um, <laughs> and uh, that's why every Iranian in America is like, guys, like we literally lived through this like 40 years ago. <laughs> but so we had to get the hell out. And when I was four, we literally escaped in the middle of the night. And we had a, we I was four. My brother was nine. We had a coyote guy that was helping us go from this train to the back of this bus oh to God. hiding in this truck. And they were just giving me sleeping pills. So I don't remember <gasps> much of it. Um and carrying me, but I do remember one crazy moment. I mean, we lived in Tehran. We were in like a city, but I remember at one point we were on the outskirts. So we're just in a desert and there's train tracks that, you know, for the trains that go by. And we heard a train coming and we all laid on the ground and covered ourselves with sand and waited for this train to go by and then got up and like continued on. That's the only memory I have from the trek. Oh my um, God. And then we ended up in Silicon Valley, which is where like probably about, I'd say about 70% of my family ended up in Silicon Valley in the early eighties. Some of them in Southern California, pretty much everybody was in California. And then, and then that was it. But we, yeah, we fully escaped when I was four years old and got the hell out. have not been back. I'll never go back. Like, um, even if it flips, I just don't try. There's too many bad guys there. Um, Oh my God. But yeah, it was amazing story. It's crazy. It's crazy. I I was just born in Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, wait, where in Ohio? Story in Toledo, Ohio. Oh, Toledo. Okay, my girlfriend's from Alliance. I don't know where that is in relation oh, to. Oh, I actually don't know either. It okay. sounds like there was a. It was a. Sounds like a town that had a great high school football team. <laughs> I think they did actually. Yeah, they yeah, have, yeah. They must yeah. have Ohio. They really care about it. Uh, no, that's an amazing. What an amazing story. Thank you for sharing it. I had no clue asking you would yield such an amazing. I mean, they're all immigrant stories are amazing, but I thought you might be like you know. Uh, my, my dad had to come to this country or, you know, I came when I was little. I don't remember a goddamn thing. That was a fucking story. That's a goddamn movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's Thank pretty wild. It. It's pretty wild. Uh, let's not talk about the Clippers anymore. Let's only talk about Laker stuff. I'm not the biggest <laughs> Laker fan. I am the best Laker fan. You just directed the LeBron versus father time spots that everyone's watching on television. Yeah, man. It's, you directed also the viral short with him jumping out of the pool. Everyone's seen it. Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, he's a Los Angeles Laker. Do you know that LeBron I, James I, plays for the Los Angeles Lakers? My team. I, uh, I, between, uh, that commercial and winning time, I can't escape the Lakers for some reason. <laughs> I keep ending up on Laker projects. Um, I, I didn't mention that in your credits because I want to talk about it uh, soon here too. You also directed Winning Time, which is again about my <laughs> Lakers. Don't you see how great the Lakers are? I listen. By the way, I have a, a huge respect for the organization. They're, I mean, what could I possibly say about the organization? They're amazing. the The Nike thing is crazy, man. Because like, what was it like to work with them? It, it was awesome. So I'm very new to commercials. I, I hadn't really done them before this year. And then I co-directed that direct TV one with Dak Prescott and the Real Housewives. Oh, you did? I didn't realize. Yeah, oh, me and, uh, my buddy Jake Szymanski brought me on to co-direct that and that little campaign with him. And then all of a sudden I got this call from my agent that was like, hey, there's a Nike campaign for LeBron's 20th year. Do you want to do oh a call with the agency God. with 
White and Kennedy, and I was like, but well, I'm not going to get this. Why would I even take Amazing. this call? So I read the concept, and I was like, this could be really fun. Yeah. As long as, like, my whole feeling was like, let's not go sleek. Let's just go sketch comedy. Yes, yes. Because my, my fear with it, the first thing I said to them is like, and it's the same thing I said the, when I first time I met with the with Max Bornstein and the other producers of Winning Time. I said, the first thing you have to know is I'm a Clipper fan. I'm a diehard Clipper <laughs> fan. But, and, and I was like, and I don't like the Lakers is what I told Max and them. <laughs> I'm mixing stories right now, yeah. but, but I'll go back to the Nike one. We'll get to Winning Time. So on Nike one, I was like, here's my fear is that, it is year 20. Right. LeBron, LeBron's body, it broke the seal on injuries. Right. NBA Twitter is brutal. They're yes. fast. Yes. They're funny as yes. hell. Yes. And I go, can we do something? I don't want to do something that could result in him getting trolled right. because I don't want to be a part of right. that. Right. Um, so I think if we keep it silly and just show the side of LeBron that we know he's so funny that like just let him be a goofball right. and not take him so and right. like yes at the end there's the cool ending and he stares him down like that's right i understand that ending but let's have a little fun with it because i also like even as a clipper fan wanted to protect this guy yeah. and um so i was up for it and miraculously got it i Amazing. truly had no idea i would get it and he was awesome he was so fun to shoot with and it's, I mean, it's so clear he shot a million things, but he was like such a natural and so easy and knew how to reset himself and was like, he was just, my, my biggest takeaway from him besides he was professional and we got to have some little chats in the middle. Like I was like, how often are you working out? Like realistically. Um, and he was like, Monday through Friday, my kids own me on the weekends. Um, wow. And which I thought was really cool. And then. Um, and, but my biggest takeaway was cause Bronny and Bryce were in the spot. So they were there two of the mm, three days we right. filmed. And then his, I don't know, remember her name, but his little girl, the little jury. Yeah. yeah. She, oh my sweetest little girl in the world. She's so cute. Um, he is the best father I've ever witnessed oh, in my lovely. entire life. That's like in between setups, there was a football on set. He's playing catch with Bronny. He's showing funny videos to Bryce on his phone. They're joking around. He's giving them acting tips. Oh, and then with the little one, it yeah. was like, it was like the cutest thing you've ever seen. Like <laughs> it was our last, the last thing we shot was him in the pool. Got it. And, and, um, and he out loud goes, Hey, so we're only doing one take of this, right? Cause me and somebody need to watch a video on killer whales. And the little girl was like, yeah. Oh, so and it was funny. like, dude, this guy's he, he's, it, I was really impressed for, for someone that has to do so much right. all the time. And, and look, I know people give, you know, are like these people make millions of dollars, celebrities and athletes. I don't, I can't imagine what it's like that every time I enter a room, the energy shifts and everybody yes. is looking at my yes. movements yes. and everybody like wants and feels entitled to a, a, a moment with me. Um, and, and he was still so, and look, he was doing stuff like Maverick was there. One of the days, Rich Paul was there. One of the days, like just briefly. And I'm like, this dude is doing so much stuff on top of like, I'm stressed about this commercial. Right. I'm not sleeping over this commercial, <laughs> but this is the only thing I'm doing. Right. This guy's doing a thousand other things and he's a dad. And, um, 
I was just really, I was impressed by him, man. And it was, cool. it was, and I didn't ask for a picture with him. I didn't ask for an autograph. <laughs> I didn't do any of that. Cause I was like, he's gets that. He gets that stuff enough. That's right. Um, and I, but we did have a really cool moment right at the end. I walked over and I was like, I know once you get in that pool, you're going to get whisked out of here. So I just want to say it's been a pleasure. And he like dapped me up and I was like, listen, man, and as a hoops fan, I just want to thank you for the last 20 years. It's been really fun. Yeah. And then he was like, bless you, my brother. And he was really cool. By the way, did not wear a Clipper hat on set. I'm not an idiot. Uh, he had no idea. I'm a Clipper fan. And so even when I posted the commercial, one of my friends responded and tagged him. was like, does King James know you're a Clipper fan? And I was like, why are you snitch tagging me? We could become friends one day. But he was, he was awesome, man. That was just like, I mean, Nike commercials have just been like a staple as a hoops fan. So like, oh my God. I can't believe I got to work on one. It was to, crazy. To go from no commercial, I mean, if you co-directed the one to go from no solo directing commercials to widen kennedy nike lebron is insane to think about that's insane. amazing um, very lucky very lucky pay me can i ask you a personal question yeah how tall are you i am five foot four bron and jason momoa are both like six feet 200 inches tall <laughs> and like 300 pounds what was it like to have to tell them what to do I, it's it's funny, man. I just approached it like I was doing sketch, and like I knew that, like these guys are great at what they do. But I knew, like, when it came to like doing a comedy thing, I was like, I know they'll listen to me, right. and I, I, ah, this is my expertise. You guys must have looked hilarious on set. It was it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I caught a reflection at one point, and I was like. Good Lord, man. This is like, he's, he's so tall. It's funny. Like even like NBA players that look little, I go to a game and I'm like, if I sit close enough, I'm like, that guy's huge. What am I talking about? It really is. Raymond Felton is Raymond Felton towers over me. What am I talking about? Ray Felton. That's very funny. You're absolutely right. It's one thing to watch basketball on television. You like, you watch it enough and you're familiar with the angle. You start seeing the guys like they're human beings. And then when you see them in person, when you're at the game or if you're close to the court, you start going, Oh my God, that guy's huge. And he's also very fast and coordinated and athletic (laughs) and all those other things. It really is something else to, to be with him in person. Let's dive into our moment to decide whether this moment, the Utah Clippers game six, makes the first ballot Hall of Fame. To decide that, we have to go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first category, the first credential is analytics. It's the stats. It's the numbers. People love them. They can't get enough. Here are the stats. Here are the numbers behind this payment. We will uh, get your thoughts on them as they come up. First shot of the third quarter, a 33-foot three-pointer by Donovan Mitchell puts the Clippers down 25 points. This is a 25-point comeback. I didn't remember that. Very impressive. Payman, you were at the game. Is that correct? Yeah. What was it like (laughs) being there during this comeback? I sat pretty close. I was like, I was probably like five rows behind the end of the jazz bench. So I was on a, that was a tough spot to be in. Um, especially in that first half and, you know, Jordan Clarkson scoring 17 points in a row at one point and being like, Oh, he's just like, Oh damn it. Of, of course, a former Laker is the one that's going to freaking embarrass us. <laughs> like, Filipino. why is it? all? yeah. <laughs> I was like, why? And they're down 22 at the half. And my friend, I was with my friend Maggie and we decided not to walk around at halftime. And I leaned over and I was like, I think we're going to win. And she goes, I do too. And I go, 
I don't want to say that out loud, but it just feels like we're going to win this game. And even though I cringe every time I say we, but I don't know how we'll yeah, no, phrase I get it. it. I get it. So it was fun because I like, I, you know, I've seen a few comebacks in person before, but that was like, that was just, it was insane because also we knew that we were watching a big moment for the right. team. Um, it was cool. You was mentioned really cool. Terrence Mann. The t- it's, you could argue this is the Terrence Mann game. He played 36 and a half minutes, went 15 of 21 from the field, 7 of 10 from the three-point line, uh, 39 points, two boards, one assist, two steals. Mann was 8 of 11 in the third quarter for 20 points, two for two in the fourth. Reggie Jackson had 14 in the third and eight in the fourth, 22 points in the second half. Very close there in terms of numbers, in terms of scoring. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Terrence Mann, but I feel yeah. like an argument could be made for Reggie Jackson. Reggie had all 10 of his assists in the second half, which is amazing. Yeah, Reggie was – it was funny because we were all watching Terrence, and meanwhile, that's what I noticed today. I was like, wait, Reggie had a really good game. Yeah, really good game. And I was just – I kept watching, you know, and uh, you know, we, even the trolling hits us, and we get nervous every time PG goes up for a shot. Right. And then PG will hit a big shot, and you're like, yes, okay, okay, he's fine. And it just felt like Terrence couldn't miss was the difference. was like it just felt like he, there was something – he was possessed that night. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I, really... I, it was – it's fa- it was- I love we just recorded an episode with Trey Kirby and we were talking about John Salmon's performance in the playoff game Bulls Celtics when Noah stole the ball from Paul Pierce and then dunked on his head and fouled him out of the game. And John Salmon's having a whale of a game in that moment to me adds something to the resume of the moment. John Salmon's I don't mean to pitch him as like a comedy like joke name. But he's like perfectly random. John Salmon. <laughs> like, you know, John Salmon, if you're a basketball fan, you know, John Salmon, you've heard of him. You don't remember the teams he played on, or like you don't really remember anything about his career, but you know that John Salmon's existed and that he was a quality <laughs> NBA player. And so, John Salmon's having a whale of a game, maybe his best game ever in that Bulls Celtics playoff game to me goes, okay, that's a, a check mark in favor of this moment making the first Bell Hall of Fame. I don't know yet if Terrence Mann or Reggie Jackson fit into that John Salmon's mode. Like, I say John Salmon's and you laugh, which is what you do. John Salmon's is a great name to talk about. Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, are them having a great game in this additive to this moment? Does it help this moment make the first Bell Hall of Fame? Uh, I think Terrence for sure, because he was t- outside of Clipper fans. He was pretty unknown. That's and true. like, we, we loved him because right. like we would see him get those little minutes, but he would make the most out of the minutes. And like, he just felt like, uh, like our son. Cause he's just, he looked like such a little kid yeah, compared to everybody yeah. else, <laughs> but he like was fearless. And like, it was it, he showed the world what we knew he could right, do, right. but he actually. But that night he surprised us where we were like, "Wait, is Terrence like, is Terrence like two years from leaving us That's and right. signing a big deal with Houston? <laughs> like, what's about to happen? Because this usually ends with them leaving." To me, Terrence Man is what made that game so special because I think you didn't expect it from him. I think it was like, "Wait, it wasn't PG that did right. all." I mean, PG had a great game, it had a really good game, but it wasn't. Terrence felt like he turned the energy. The whole stadium changed once he started lighting it up. In a strange way, it will help this moment make the first ballot Hall of Fame if Terrence Mann never has another good game the rest of his life. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if he just becomes terrible, then we all go, remember Terrence Mann? And you're like, kind of. And you're like, remember that one crazy game he had? And then it's out of there. So it's better for you if he never plays again. It's like Josh Smith. He had that one game right. against us where we're like, right. I remember it's leading to my friend. By the way, go go back to that game. When that 23-point lead turned to 11, I turned to my friend. I was like, it's over. Yeah. We lost yeah. and we're losing game seven. And she goes, how do you know? I go, because when the Spurs blew game six with that Ray Allen shot, yeah. We all knew they That's weren't right. going to win That's game right. seven because mentally you're not going to get over That's it. Right. But I was like, when Josh Smith is hitting shots after <laughs> shot after shot, you're dead. It's over. <laughs> like, what the hell? Who put this on rookie mode, man? What is happening? Ring the bell. It's over. That's fantastic. You're right. Speaking of devastating moments, you, you were talking about um, how the trolling gets into your brain as a fan. Uh, in regards to Paul George and me as an Anthony Davis supporter now as a Laker fan, I know the same thing. And it, 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 it's, I just wanted to mention this. It feels like if you know that it affects you, like you're going, and when I watch Paul George shoot, I'm nervous. And when every time Anthony Davis just gets off the ground, I go, well, that's it. This could be the last play for Anthony Davis this season. If it affects us as fans, how on God's green earth could it not affect those people? It has to affect them. What we're doing as fans has to affect these gentlemen in, in terrible, awful ways. Look at Ben Simmons. Ben, how can we not have affected what Ben Simmons' career? And it's what makes you root as a fan. It's what makes you scream awful things at the players yeah. when you're at the game or terrible things uh, You know, when you put it into the ether as you're watching at home. Because I know that what we're doing as fans affects them. Is that crazy talk? No, you're right, man. I mean, I see it when I see Westbrook go up for a shot and you hear groans. Right. I know he's feeling it. For sure. When you see Ben Simmons airball a layup, it's because he's overthinking as Agreed. he's going up. Totally. And like, I, I love that, you know, PG has talked about the struggles he had in the bubble, the mental health stuff. In fact, I, so I, I produced the last season of, of, um, of uh Serge Ibaka's uh yes. how hungry yes, are you yes, yes. so we had PG on and it was about three weeks after this season ended like three weeks after the um like the Suns had, had eliminated the Clippers and and he told us stuff about the bubble mm-hmm. that we hadn't heard yet mm-hmm. on the show where he was like he goes we would just go back to our hotel rooms and you would just open your phone and it would be this meme there, this joke there. And then I'm overplaying the game in my head. And he goes, I tried sleepy gummies. I tried meditation. And he said he had a week straight where he didn't sleep. And, and he's like, you can't, you can't get away from it. And the justification is always like, these guys make so much money, but it's like that just, we, we know, we're not built for fame. Right. That's why, like, that's, that's why that when, when, truth. when, like, gl- like global superstar, like, uh, music superstars are have meltdowns, it's not, why are we still giving them crap for it? That's we right. know now this is what happens. That's right. That eventually it breaks you, that's that right. we're not built for every being on earth to know who we are. There could be one nasty comment on something I direct, and I'll think about it for a week straight. <laughs> and that's nothing. But I don't have to, like, direct i don't have one take to direct in front of the world (laughs) and like and now it's like there's like 800 cameras on me directing it's like no i get many opportunities and like nobody knows and it's private so like i i i feel for these guys man ben simmons i'm like i he needs to have 
it's funny because it's like even if he has a crazy string of games, people are always waiting for that slip. For like sure. Anthony Davis could play two completely healthy seasons. That's right. And then if he gets hurt, people will hear he goes again. That's exactly Same right. with Paul George. Had this amazing year last year. And then I see one game where he has a bad game. People are like, pandemic P. And I'm like, guys, he just had <laughs> last year. He was so good. And like, you're allowed to mess up now and then. But like. And then I think, well, how is he going to overcome that? How could you possibly yeah. overcome that? And I don't I feel for these guys. I'm not, I'm I not, really do. I'm not proud of my immaturity as a sports fan because. Me either. Pandemic <laughs> P is very funny. <laughs> I mean, I, there's, I've got a bunch of things com- uh, really fighting and um, battling in my head. And one is <laughs> my understanding. And like, this is a pure law that the nickname Pandemic P is very funny. You cannot That's take a great, that. That is very, great nickname. Very funny, but also that I say it and would so liberally use it the moment that the Clippers lose. I do feel bad about that because I, you, they are humans. I don't. It's so crazy that we as people we just like shut down that these are human beings that we're dealing with and just treat. It's not good. I'm not proud of myself. I do do it. I do affect the game. We've established that. I do think I deserve a championship. <laughs> one of the championship rings for the Lakers seasons that I've supported. I just, listen, it's clear that I've had some sort of impact. I don't think it should be um, looked past. And um, Give this man a ring. Thank you so Give much. this really man a ring. It. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, By the, the way, I'm with you here. too. We've all done it. We all do it. We all do this. <laughs> the last stat I wanted to reference here, Clippers 14 of 19 from three in the second half, a total 81 points in both of those quarters. 81 points i think the jazz had like 47 which is like a fine second half in an nba game the clippers scored 81 in the second half 14 of 19 from three just wild a wild game congratulations to them the next category the next credentials are eye test payment what did you see in re-watching this game did you see anything that stands out that that might give this moment the added boost to get into the first bell hall of fame I, you know, it's funny because go, go, I, I, when I think back about being there, it was more of um, it, I, I remember the energy of it. Right. And I don't know, you probably do this too. If I ever go to a game and my team wins like a big thing at the end or there's a big comeback, I'll watch the replay because I want to yes. know how people yep. at home watched totally. it. And like, what did Brian Seaman yep. say? And like, how, you know, what was the call? Yep. And, um, and going back this time, I, I I felt I refelt all those emotions again. You could feel the you could feel the tension in the first half that was the here we go again right, feeling that right, we have a lot right. when we as Clipper fans, like there's a lot of times where we're like, here we go. We're about to this is what I've been there. I keep coming back and they keep doing this to me. I keep touching that stove. And 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 then there's this there's this moment in the third where you start to hear the hope through the TV. And then there's this, there's this excitement in the fourth where they're like, you could feel they're excited, but they're holding back. And, and I remember at one point there was like two minutes left and everybody was like tight around each other. And I turned around and I said, Hey everybody to my section, I go, the Clippers are going to the Western Conference Finals. And like everybody started cheering. This one woman starts crying. And she's like, I've waited 20 years for this. Like it was like this whole thing where it's like we didn't. We, you could feel the yeah. the everybody's like, well, we're going to what what's going to happen? When's Donovan Mitchell going to score 12 points right. in a row? Right. Um, but I can I can see the tension when I 
the tension and then the emotional release. Like yeah. after the game, I walked around Staples for an hour screaming and hugging oh, strangers. So and like, cause it was like, we've never had that. And we also knew the Suns were going to win the next series. <laughs> so it was like, we were celebrating Appreciate our season. Right. It was just like, all right guys, we got this far. We know we're not going any further. <laughs> so like, let's make this our parade. Did you uh, guys, when, yeah. when you lost Kawhi in the series, did you think you would ultimately lose this series or did you think you could still win it? I thought we could still win because I never bought the Jazz as a team. Yes, frauds. Um, yeah, it was like I. D, I'm so glad Mitchell got out of there because I think he is a big time showstopper. I yeah. I love him. I love Donovan Mitchell, and but there was something about their team that felt clunky, mm. and it was like I didn't feel like him and Gobert and Conley worked where individually they're so good and Bogdan is a great guy to have Ingles as dirty as he is like Ingles will hit a couple big shots Clarkson was crazy you know for a couple years for them but I I still felt like we could win but I remember just thinking well what's the point we're just gonna lose the next round to freaking Chris Paul like (laughs) my god man that's just that hurt um but we knew as soon as Kawhi was out it was just kind of like here we go again like of course, another injury in the playoffs. <laughs> the next credential, the ear test. What did you hear in this moment? Did you hear anything? Did you hear anything from the either when you were there? Did you hear anything from from fans around you, or did you hear anything from Mike Breen and the production staff there, the the announcers on your rewatch? Did you hear anything that might add some some weight to this game? I I think it was Breen. It was interesting, like watching a Mike Breen. Like one of those awesome calls, but it's for your team. Like we don't get that experience right. with the Clippers. Yeah, like so normally, funny. it's like you know you're watching you know the Clippers play the seventy sixers, and Mike Breen is yelling bang because Shake Milton has like the game of a lifetime. <laughs> like it's always like it's always the other teams, but to hear. To hear, I just remember this, it's kind of a lame call, but it was like Terrence Mann hit a three, and at one point he goes, "What a man!" He like yells that out. Let me play it for you. That's exactly yeah. right. Let me play it for you. Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Man. Man three pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! I mean, a wild <laughs> miss from Mike Breen there. It's so weird. It's so weird. All of us were like, oh, man, like, that's the one you do? Like, this might be the only time we get a Mike Breen call. Good Lord, man. But it was still like you could hear because he's like a he's like a maestro with like the, the sure. crowd. He's yes. always like, it's Bedlam here and whatever. It's Bedlam and blah, blah, blah. He always says that. But it was just cool to hear that. Um you know, it was just, it was cool because it, it felt like a classic Mike Breen, Mike Breen game with the exception of that call that you had queued up. So funny. Which was so I, I, funny. I noted the exact same thing. That's just, Mike Breen is so good that for him to miss under those circumstances oh, in such God. a wild way. I love Mike Breen. He's, he can do no wrong, but that is a crazy miss. I get that his last name is man. I get that you want to do something with it. But Honestly, <laughs> lean in and go, what a man, what a man what a yes. mighty good do yes, the whole just thing go full on in vogue <laughs> can't just say what a man come on man breen there is another moment yeah. from mike breen i do want to play let's listen to it together george to drive back out batum terrence man for three Bang! terrence man is unstoppable it's uh, the the more i do this show the more i realize the announcers really imprint on our brains 
Yeah. What you re- what you take from this game? Like I go the Terrence Mann game is you 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 know when I asked you to be on the show you brought up this moment as something you wanted to talk about. I love the fact that you were there and so I chose it to do on the show. And then I start diving into the research and I go, oh, it's the Terrence Mann game. I didn't realize because you just said game six and I'm like, oh right, it's the Terrence Mann game. And then as I dive deeper, I realize, oh shit, Reggie Jackson really had a crazy game. <laughs> yeah. But calls like that are what stick in your brain and you go the Terrence Mann game. It just frames our memories really and you does. can hear them that we could recite them. Like I, you know, every, how many of us can recite like Iguodala to Curry back to Iguodala up for the layup. Oh, fuck my James. Like everybody knows that one. It's like the lyrics right. to a song. Yeah. And it's like, it's the best. And he's so good at it. So good. And he's so, I mean, what he does is so freaking special, man. Really like it, it's really fun to watch it again. Cause you know, it's like, because it is, partially a personal memory but i'm also just like in my work when i'm watching an edit i'm trying to envision not knowing anything mm-hmm, and watching mm-hmm. and it was it's it was fun it was super it fun really to watch is great i and by the by you you said that you probably do this i 100 percent do that every game i've ever gone to i rewatch it immediately as yeah. soon as i get home because you want to see it from that <laughs> side yeah. and get that experience too yeah i couldn't agree more uh in researching you I heard that Big Lebowski changed your life. What are the handful of movies or TV shows, any like video thing? What are the handful of projects that had the most impact on you? Not your favorite, but the projects that sort of really changed who you are as an artist. I mean, you know, the first one was probably Cheers. And I would watch that when I was in second grade. I started watching Cheers and I would get in trouble at school because I would like recap the episodes on Friday <laughs> to my friends and my team. Well, I remember one day my teacher like was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, there's a show, this guy, Norm, and he was always drinking beer. And like, and she was like, you're not supposed to watch that show. And, um, but that's like all I watched. I'd come home from school and we, we had a, a local network that would just show like old comedy. So like I would watch like, Laurel and Hardy and Three Stooges and and Mr. Ed and then all the way up to Nick at Night. So like all day long, I'd just be watching old comedy. So like it was Cheers first. Then in middle school, I started watching Seinfeld and all my friends are like, my parents watch that show. (laughs) And I'd be like, no, dude, it's the best. Um, Those two and probably like the Sandler Farley years of SNL really shaped my, you know, there's still little ways I joke around now where I'm like, that's so Farley what I just did. Like, (laughs) like that's such a, like clearly came from him. Um, There's a movie called Frank that came out. uh, I don't even know when it came out in the last five, six years. Um, It's like Michael Fassbender and, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. I forgot who else is in it. It's an amazing movie. Is it? Um, um, is it um, Blake Lively? Hey, I want to go with you. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> uh, but that movie, Frank, I would recommend. It's really great. It's about a band where a guy wears like this big, crazy, like kind of, I don't even know, it's like prosthetic head. Not even a prosthetic head. Great movie, but it really like shifted how I looked at movies. Um but I'm just a comedy nerd in general. Like it's just, I kind of ingest all of it. Uh, as a director, one more question for you as a director, how do you handle it when an actor just butchers a line? Like, let's say you, there's a line, you have that reading in your head, you want it to come out a certain way, but the actor is just on another planet. How do you approach them? What do you say? I just try to be empathetic because like, I know they're 
they you know they show up so early and then they're in hair and makeup probably not wanting to talk and like trying to memorize lines while someone's touching them and doing all that so by the time they get to set like i'm like what can i do to make this easy because you've got to be you got to be freaking out payment let's play a little game here let's pretend we're on the set of a movie you were directing this movie Mm -hmm. you're gonna call action we're gonna go through a line and then i'm gonna call cut it's not the way you want it to be i want you to pretend that you have to go speak to this actor right after this read are you ready you call action and then we're gonna well there's a line by the way, this is what I was saying. The directors don't get one chance to do their thing in front of an audience, and now I get to feel what it's like to be That's an right. athlete. That's like, exactly right. Uh, so okay. this is, you call action. You We're on a set. You call action. There's going to be a movie a movie line, and then you have to talk to the actor because it did not come out the way you wanted it to come out. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm okay, ready. Here we go. All right. On your and, action call. And action. Hey, I want to go with you. Um... <laughs> Cut. Let's let's hold real quick. Um, Blake. Hey, 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 hey. What's going on? Um, that was fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I would do on this spot. I remember working with Sasha Baron Cohen on Who Is America, and he had a character. I forgot the character name, but he's a Southern guy. And while we were waiting, and he was in hair and makeup, he had a southern guy there with him and he would say just keep talking just keep talking Funny. and he's absorbing right, absorbing right so i would probably tell her this story and then be like <laughs> let's let's watch some clips and then start to like let's start playing with the twang a little bit um i want you to know payment yeah. i will take that out i will cut that i wanted to put you in that position because i thought it was funny <laughs> If you're up for some sort of Blake Lively project, I don't want to screw you. I don't want you to feel. But oh, it was very fun to watch you do that. We will take that out. No questions <laughs> asked. That said, if he chooses to let us keep that in, Robbie, leave all this in because I like the context of me keep trying it. to explain this. Keep it because I honestly, she she can't not think that's funny. I think just like I look, if I watch the Clippers blow a lead, I'm like, that was funny. She has to be like, all right, yeah, the accent was a little weird on the take they used. Because also that could be on the editor. Why did they sure. use that For take? For sure. That's bring exactly into, right. Bring her into ADR. Blake's fine. She'll be fine. <laughs> The next credential is the X factor. Everybody knows what an X factor is. What's the X factor that might put this thing over? I'd like to pitch you one and then hear yours. Do you mind if I yeah. pitch you one? Yeah, yeah. They make the first conference finals ever with a ragtag bunch coming off of this injury. I think that's the X factor, the circumstance here. The Clippers, terrible forever. Pardon, sorry, sorry about saying that, but it's true. true. Terrible <laughs> forever, ragtag bunch. Kawhi goes down. I thought you guys were finished. I thought there's no chance that you end up winning the series. And then for you guys to come out, get down and then just go absolute gangbusters. That was special to watch. I have to admit. Same for me. It was just, it was the aspect, the historical aspect. And like, of course they got hurt again. And wow, this group is the one that took them there. Like, which is funny. Cause look, I I love Kawhi and PG, but most Clipper fans will tell you that team they had the year right before Mm -hmm. was their favorite Clipper team. It was that overachieving team with like Pat and Lou and the, and like who like had that big comeback against the Warriors, took the Warriors to six nobody expected them to win that series. It was just, it was so fun to, to actually go, Hey, look, they can get at least this far. Um, just wish they didn't play Phoenix. Are you allowing yourself to be excited about this season? 
Like, I don't. You, you I gotta never feel pretty good, don't you? No, I, I feel really good about the team they put together, but it's like I feel that like fool me once, fool me right, twice right, thing right, where right. I'm like, because it always comes down to health with the Clippers. But I do feel like the organization has given them the best yes. opportunity. Yeah. We have a coach that I, I love, love so him. much, He's so good, and I love Former the way Laker. he does. Yeah, yeah, and I just love. <laughs> yeah, well, he's got that DNA, man. But I'm I'm excited for the year, but they still. You know, Kawhi's knee is still coming back, and I'm like, I, I we still haven't seen the team. Yeah. Like, we don't really know what it is yet. This is so the like, Clipper abuse coming through. This is you have been abused. You're in an abusive relationship with the Clippers, and now yeah. you can no longer even be excited <laughs> about basketball no. or your team's prospects. So I'll tell like, you why. Every time we get ahead of ourselves, everything falls apart. The year that the Houston meltdown mm-hmm. happened, the Clippers beat the Spurs. CP hits that shot. They beat the Spurs. They're up three games to one for the first time in Vegas history. The Clippers were the championship favorites. They lost. They lost every game after that happened (laughs) and got eliminated. And then it was, and then it was like, they had the OKC one where they were up on OKC and like, and CP three melted down at the end of that game. And, and then everything turned in that series. And then the last year that the team was together, the Clippers were 14 and two. And I remember a Vice Sports headline that said the Clippers are the best team in basketball. And they immediately went on a losing streak. <laughs> and then like a week later, like Blake beat up that trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just like, so we feel like anytime we get excited, we're going to get brought down to earth. So we like, even my friend, so I have a Clipper chat I'm in. There's like 15 of us, a bunch of people in the industry and we're all texting. And I made a spreadsheet. I was like, let's all make our preseason predictions. And like, Nobody wants to say the Clippers right, are going right. to win because everybody's like, well, if I say they're going to win, they're not going to win. So I'm just going to pick the Warriors and like hope for the best. But yeah, it is the abuse. It's the PTSD. It's why the fans are very tense in the arena whenever the other team goes on a run. And then also Clipper take tickets are cheaper. So like fans of road teams go to Clipper games more than they're going to go to Laker games. Yeah. So then they start getting loud and then we start kind of getting quiet and we start like turning into hermit crabs and like, no, dude, we've been through it, man. It's been, it's sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? But also I'm like, it's going to be worth it. If it ever happens, <laughs> if they ever win, we are going to burn this city to the ground. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. The next credentials are burning questions. The answer to this question might put this might help put this moment in the first battle hall of fame. We just released an episode. Trey Kirby was the guest, the Joakim Noah steal and dunk. That was from a absolutely wild first round season between the Celtics and the Bulls. Uh, I believe four games went to overtime. There were seven overtime periods over that series. An absolutely wild series. And I think that steal and dunk ends up standing. It's emblematic. It stands for that entire series. That series was good enough that in my head, it deserved a moment in the first battle hall of fame. And the Joakim Noah steal and dunk ended up doing it. He dunked on Paul Pierce. I love when Paul Pierce is sad. That moment's in. I sort of look at this and go, the Clippers have been bad forever. They were super bad for a long time. Then they got racist bad. I mean, they've been <laughs> they've been bad in a very special, unique way. Does the Clipper franchise deserve a moment in the first battle hall of fame? I think the answer is yes. But what is that moment? So the question that you need to answer, Payman, is 
What is the greatest moment in Clipper history? You were there laying sh- the shooting shirts at half court. Is it Lob? Was it something in Lob City? Was it getting Chris Paul? What about Kawhi choosing the Clippers over the Lakers? Is it Balmer buying the Clips? Is it making Western this Western Conference Final Game Six? What is the greatest moment in Clipper history? I actually think it was um, Sterling getting banned and that night because. It felt like a funeral right. that night. Right. We all wore black. Most of us wore black that night. And it was like they were cutting this. The, the Jumbotron was cutting the signs that were pretty aggressive against Sterling. Mm. Like they were not shying away from it. But I remember it feeling like we're about to wash some stink right. off. Right. And it's going to take some time. And a lot of us knew that it was bad, but a lot, but I was still admittedly like more of a newer fan. Like I had only been a Clipper fan probably, probably like, five, six years at that point. I know people that used to go to the LA sports arena. So they really knew what it was like. We didn't, we, a lot of us knew that he was bad and we didn't realize he was like racist. We just knew he was a bad owner and he was cheap and he heckled his own players. And there was something that night that felt like it it felt like a funeral and a celebration Mm. at the same time. And it felt like that's gone or we're trying to kill it. And what is the the hope of what tomorrow is? And I actually remember I took the Metro to that game and I was sitting across from a bunch of Warriors fans. And at that time, the Clippers and the Warriors were pretty like even where we knew the Warriors were who they were. The next year when the Warriors won the title, we were the only fan base that was like, you guys didn't know they were terrifying. Right. <laughs> like they just needed another year to figure it out. Um, and they needed to get rid of Mark Jackson and get a coach that actually runs plays. Um <laughs> And doesn't just preach on the sideline, but uh, but but I remember being there with that warrior fan, and I was very scared of the Warriors. Like Steph was already hitting weird, crazy shots, and and that guy was he looked at me and he goes, "I love the Warriors, man, but I know you guys are going to win tonight." And I was like, "It's what's supposed to happen, yeah. right?" He goes, "It it's it has to happen." Yeah. Um, it had to be that night. Him gone. I still don't like the fact that Shelly Sterling has tickets as part of their deal. Because right. I kind of just want those two to be go gone. away forever. Um, but that I, that has to be the highest. I, I mean, it's, it's not even basketball answer. related. But. Oh, no. I think it's a great answer. Listen, in a franchise that has no championship, I think vanquishing a legendary racist is probably the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh the the next credentials are test of time this is when we compare this moment against other moments like it in history the one i want to immediately draw comparison to is you mentioned it earlier the 31 point comeback 2019 western conference first round clippers come back down 31 they come back and beat the warriors kd's warriors like peak warriors they come back and win a 31 point uh uh down 31 they ended up coming back and winning that game what is the better comeback? Is it this, uh, what we're talking about, game six against the Jazz, or is it being that KD, that KD team? What was the better comeback? What was the better moment? Man, it's hard because we had so much animosity towards the Warriors. Right. They, were like, they, they were like that, you know, that team that everybody decided they were going to hate because KD joined them. And so they were hateable. It was like, you know, LeBron's Heatles. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that we should have all hated those teams, but they were hateable because yeah. they were stacked. They had that team. And if you liked 
an NBA team that was not the Miami Heat, you go, well, I hate that they have all those good players. And it's the same thing with Katie's Warriors. Does the, the accumulation of all of our hate make that 31 point, even though you guys lost that series, coming back and being them must have been sweet in that moment. What was the better, what was the better game? To be to- totally honest, I wouldn't even thought about comparing them, but I think over the test of time, I think it might actually be the Warriors one because I was actually in Atlanta working on a show during that. So it was late. Right. I was watching that game late. Yeah. And I remember at one point being like, why am I watching this? Like, it's just the Warriors embarrassed. They always made a point to embarrass the Clippers because they like leapfrogged us. And like, you know, there was so much animosity. That one felt so good. Yeah, I bet. Um, Cause it felt like, I don't know, a small victory, even though it wasn't yes. a victory. Yep. And like, and, and I mean, this one was amazing, but it's like, it's not like we hated the jazz. Like we didn't, the only right. guy in the jazz we didn't like with Joe Ingles. Right. So like, but beyond that, it was like, who the hell hates Donovan Mitchell? Right. Like, who the hell? Like, I, I agree. So, and I, yeah. So I, I, I realistically, I would, yeah, that Warriors one was just too cool. I get it, it man. Great, when, great whenever moment. we beat the Celtics or like if, Paul, if something bad happens to Paul Pierce, like instantly, and I don't hate Paul Pierce, but I think it's very funny for Paul Pierce to fail at something. It's, you know, uh, I get that it. Trey Kirby episode, Noah boofs on Paul Pierce, and I'm like, that's a fucking bonus. That is a goddamn bonus. So I get it. When when you hate someone and when, again, that team was hateable. I didn't hate them, but they were hateable. When they lose, that's got to be sweet. I appreciate your candor there. The other thing I want to mention in Tested Time, the other giant comeback that I want to reference, a 29-point comeback in the 1989 Western Conference semifinals. Game four, the Lakers come back from 29 to beat the Seattle Supersonics. Go Lakers. <laughs> They're the best team ever. <laughs> The 31-point comeback, that's the greatest comeback in NBA history. But the Lakers, number two. So not only do the Lakers have all these championships, but they also have one of the league's best comebacks. Not only was that game – that was game four. Not only did they come back down from 29 – they were up 3-0. So that closed the door. That sent the Sonics home. Losing – they were up 29 in game four. The Lakers come all the way back beat them and sweep the team out of the playoffs. That's fantastic. Go Lakers. And, and wait, the best. What, and, what, and what year was that? That was eight, 89, what, 1989. And look, the, the, it was much harder to come back from that deficit. Yes. This Thank now, you. because of the three point era, like I swear to God, every two weeks, somebody breaks a record for biggest comeback <laughs> win. Like it keeps happening. And I'm like, Hey, maybe that's because everybody's doing like a 10 second offense. that revolves around <laughs> right. three pointers. So like 29 points back there is crazy. But by the way, to close the series is like, by the way, you could have taken a night off and close <laughs> it out. It was like savage. That's hilarious. Oh, I, I, man, that's so funny. I appreciate you appreciating that moment. We are going to induct that Lakers game into the first spell Hall of Fame at the end of this episode. No. Uh, the, uh, By the way, that would make sense. As a Clipper fan, for, for the end of this to be that would be, yep, that's exactly that's exactly how this episode should end. Let's do it. I'm so close to pulling the trigger. Now, um, while we're talking about the Lakers, t- tell me about winning time. You directed on winning time. Of course, every Laker fan watched it. Most NBA fans watched it. What was it like to work on winning time? It must have been a blast. It was amazing, man. I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, uh, you know, the show was slowed down the season one by uh, the pandemic. Right. Um, I met with Max, Max Bornstein, the creator and showrunner and the other EPs. I physically met with them for the first time two days after Kobe passed away. Oh, wow. So... 
so the night after he passed away, I went to Staples Center with a clipper mm-hmm. hat with purple and yellow flowers and went and there was people sobbing yeah. and hugging me. I can't believe a clipper fan is here because I, I knew what they meant to the city, right. but really never yes. more than that right. moment. Right. That was a moment where I was like, oh, the the. the 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 life of this city is goes through this team and i know them and the dodgers are big but there's something different with the lakers and i know that and that year as you know was very tense it was right after Mm -hmm. the Kawhi summer where everybody thought it was battle of la and so it was weird to experience that and then go into that meeting and you know by the way my introduction to sports was the Showtime Lakers like when i got into sports like my dad was a, my dad is a big laker fan Good man. he thinks Ma- he thinks magic is the greatest player That's of all exactly time right. and by the way when by the way when when lebron was a rookie i remember telling my dad watch a cleveland game and then i go this guy's the next michael jordan and then he called me and he goes he's the next magic johnson yeah and because he knew <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And now I get it. But <laughs> but so I, it was it was weird. And I, I walk into their office and it's like purple and yellow walls and like 80s Lakers posters up. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I can't escape this freaking franchise anywhere <laughs> I go. And I went in the meeting. And the first thing I said is, you got to know, I'm a diehard Clipper fan. I do not like the Lakers, but. This Laker team was my introduction to sports. Yeah. I really like their story. Yeah. I want to learn more about the story. I read the book before the yeah, meeting. Same, same. And um, uh, Showtime, which the show was based on. And then, um, and I was like, and I told him, I go, I don't think you should hire Laker fans to direct this show because I don't think you're going to get an honest look. look and that. I think they were already like, Max's diehard Laker fan. Like the whole crew is Laker fans. And I mean, there's a few people here and there that like different teams, but it was largely a very, I mean, they were celebrating the Lakers nonstop on that show. Um, but I was very candid about it. And like, and I was like, I'm not just a big Clipper fan. I'm like, I know people in the organization. Like literally the day after the meeting, the Clippers released a video of me and Paul Shear like talking about being fans on the set of Black Monday. <laughs> like it was a weird thing, but I was like, but I love this story. And then pandemic happened we waited a year and then ultimately i got two episodes and i got uh episode seven and eight so i got to do the first magic and bird game and birds reveal yeah and then uh, the next one which was like all-star weekend it was more of like an emotional episode and it was nuts man because i'm used to just straight comedy and max did tell me coming in he was like we want you to make it funnier like do your comedy thing at so i just kept adding jokes and stuff and uh really loved shooting the basketball stuff although it took forever um but i was like you know the funny thing is we read that and max talked about it recently in an interview like the original script only had one or two fuck boston's in it and i was like why aren't we saying this like a thousand times? Cause I feel like almost like the, the name of the episode was um, the invisible man, which makes sense. Cause there's that amazing scene between Kareem and, and Irving senior. And they're talking about the invisible man, which I get, but I was like, you almost want to call this episode fuck Boston. Cause I, I was like my, I, I remember telling him, I was like, my fandom has no place on this show. I'm here to tell this story from the Laker perspective but like, you know, through the hazy memory of the 80s. So like, shouldn't we lean in and be like, fuck Boston? Ugh. Like, 
fuck Boston. So I just kept adding it to scenes where I'd be oh like, hey, can God. you throw a fuck Boston? Then the actors started just saying it nonstop. <laughs> and then it like kind of seeped into the last couple episodes and on the walls oh it would say fuck God. Boston. And like, and cause I was like, dude, I think like this could be, he called it memeable, but I was like, this is like, we have to, because this is what it is. Like, sure. Every Laker fan I know, their whole thing is fuck Boston. Right. So let's just keep saying it. Um, so that was really fun. And the, the basketball stuff is obviously a blast. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Amazing. As a guy that likes both comedy and sports, your career, having worked so much in comedy and now sports, that's just amazing. Congratulations. That's fantastic. That- Payment, I see the time is running out on us. It's almost time for America's favorite podcast segment. It's called More Important. Everybody's talking about More Important. Payment, any chance you've heard More Important on the show yet? No, okay, no, I haven't perfect. heard it yet. That's totally fine. I mean, it's okay. starting to hurt my feelings that no one's heard this subject. <laughs> but hey, the show must go on. Payment, are you ready for More Important? I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. okay. First, Payment, you're a Hollywood mover and shaker. Tinseltown, the city of angels, but Los Angeles has a very serious homeless problem. What are you doing to take money from the powerful entertainment studio complex and redistribute that wealth to the people who need it? What am I doing? I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We've run out of time for that answer. It's time for something more important. The theme music is playing already with the guitars and everything. There's a timer counting us down. There's no time, but we have to move quickly. It makes things more exciting. It's a production device payment. The questions I'm about to ask you are all way more important than whatever you were just about to say. And your answers to these questions will define you as a man, as a person on this planet. Are you ready for more important? I'm so ready. First question. What? Remember, there's a clock. It's ticking. What is your favorite beverage? Uh, coconut water. Uh, I'm not. I don't like coconut water. It's fine. This isn't about me. Let's keep going. <laughs> what, what was the tougher loss? We've been mentioning them all episode. What was the tougher loss to the Rockets in 2015? The Clippers were up 3-1. One game three by 25. You won game four by 33. Or was it the loss to the Nuggets in the bubble? What was the tougher loss? I would say the Rockets because we weren't used to the pattern of losing right. like That's, that. Yes. Got it, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Both truly devastating, though. Uh, a lot of fun to watch <laughs> as a Laker fan. Who <laughs> is the best comedic actor? Which actor is better at creating comedy with their acting? Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Will Ferrell, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, or someone else that you're welcome to say. But I do think the answer is in that pack of four people. Oh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's, She's so real. good. She's the She's best. On, and I actually, I actually think... Criminally underrated. I so I have an episode with Zach Harper. I say the exact same thing. Criminally underrated. She's so fantastic. Let's keep moving. Wait, really? Yes. I said almost verbatim the exact same thing. She's amazing. She's amazing. She's so good. She's devastatingly good. She's so good. Anyways, all right, we got to keep moving on. This isn't about JLD. You've been on the Doughboys podcast. So have I. It's great. You should be listening to that instead of this. What is the best singular item off any chain restaurant menu? You got to pick one item. Off any chain restaurant menu, what is it? Uh, in and out double 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 man. In and out double double. All I'm day. sure. I'm sure all of the LA people are appreciating that. I'm an East Coaster. I don't really get the in and out. <laughs> this isn't about me. I've said it once. We'll keep moving on. Payment. What is your favorite dunk? 
Oh, ever my favorite dunk ever, ever is is uh, the Sean Kemp one where he like double points at the guy yeah. after that today would absolutely be a flagrant too. <laughs> like, that is one of the greatest. Like just the way he's like on the like he's on the three point line waiting and he gets That's the ball. Right. And you, you have no idea what he's going right. to do. That dunk is so special we, to me. We did an episode on it. It is in the first Ballot Hall of Fame. I completely agree with you. Payman, you direct comedy. We're talking about sports. Who is the funniest athlete? I think Blake Griffin. Uh, I think Blake is the funniest, he man. He really gets it. Yeah. yeah he he's just like, he, he speaks comedy. Yes. You can tell he, like, he understands the nuance. Totally, 100%. Yeah. You're a director. We're talking about sports part two. Which athlete is the best actor? I mean, just based off experience, I'd have to say LeBron, man. He's good. He's really good. Like, he's very good. Listen to Payment trying to get another gig. <laughs> Super gross. Super gross. He's trying to get another gig on our show. How dare you? <laughs> you are done. You have finished. Uh, more important, fantastic job. That was a lot of fun to cut you off. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> the The next credential is our cosign. Payment, the microphone is yours. Does the game six here, this game six that we're talking about, does the Terrence Mann game belong in the first ballot hall of fame and why? I, I think yes, because you take 50 years of pathetic, sad failure. Yes. Very, and then the expectations pathetic. that boosted up and Lob City and came down and the team reinvented itself right. and then melted down. And then for it to happen the way it did without your best player yes. uh, and a comeback like that, yep. like it's just, it's just to me, it was like the ultimate underdog story. It was like, oh my God, because also they don't win like that ever. Right. So it was so cool to see it happen. Yep. I, I thought it was, I think, I think so. I think it was just such a historically for the franchise, such a cool moment. Thank you so much, Payment, for everything you've done on this episode. You've been, you're obviously a great NBA fan. We appreciate your knowledge. We appreciate your insight. We appreciate your perspective on this moment as someone that was there. I had an absolute blast talking to you, but it is time for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, get to decide whether this moment makes our hall. There's a lot to consider here. This is very difficult. You know that I am the world's best Laker fan. Everyone, yeah. everyone does. Everyone in the world knows that I'm, that I Neil, I'm the world's best Laker fan. But I won't let that affect my decision here. I have to take the information that's in front of me. You mentioned it. Terrible, pathetic. That's exact. Those are great words to describe <laughs> the Los Angeles Clippers. Terrible, pathetic. <laughs> for us, for a, for a real window, they were also racist. It's really a crazy past. No championships. <laughs> Truly almost nothing to be happy about. <laughs> so you have to decide, is there a moment that stand that can represent the Clippers? Is it this moment? Well, let me tell you, Payman, I'm going to use your words against you. Because you said the, 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 the Clippers comeback against the Warriors might have been better. You mentioned that... Them getting rid of Sterling was probably the best moment in franchise history. So how can I put this moment in the first Bell Hall of Fame when we've acknowledged two better moments in the Clipper history? I'm so sorry, Clippers fans. I appreciate everything you've done on this episode, Payment. You've been so entertaining and so generous with your stories and, and, and the laughs. I really appreciate it. 
but I cannot, in good conscience, put this moment in the first ballot hall of fame. It's a great moment, but it's not going into the hall. How, how do you feel about me? Can you believe I just had you talk to me for like 90 minutes and I then said no? Yeah, but I mean, I'm a Clipper fan. This is exactly how it goes for us. Like, we go, we have joy, we have hope. Maybe it works. And then like a couple slips and I'm like, oh, yeah, I did mention that. I did mention that. Yeah, of course a Laker ultimately chooses our fate in the end. Like, are you? I've danced to this song many times before. So I'm, I am very familiar with this rhythm. And I don't think it could have gone any other way. <laughs> That's so funny. You're exactly <laughs> right. You are essentially the words you use when you chose that Warriors game and you chose uh, getting rid of Sterling. That was like Kawhi blowing his knee. Your chances at the championship were over in that moment. <laughs> this was never making the hall, and it happened when you spoke. Yeah, that's perfect. You don't. You don't want me as a Laker fan because I will bring my <laughs> lack of clutch genes <laughs> to your franchise. That's so funny. Oh my God, payment. If everybody that's listening doesn't already love you and I have already rushed to follow you, how can they follow you? What can you plug? What are you working on? Uh, I, I'm just, I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, just my name, Payment Benz. Uh, I do the new show that I worked on. Uh, it's coming out. Well, two days after we record this on November 3rd, it's called Blockbuster. It's on Netflix. It's about the last blockbuster video on earth. And we have this amazing cast with Randall Park Randall's and so good. Uh, Melissa Fumero and JB Smoove and, and Olga Meredith. Like we have a crazy cast. My friend Vanessa Ramos created it. She's a genius. I directed for the episodes and it's, it's a very fun workplace amazing. comedy. Amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. It'll be on Netflix, correct? Yeah. Everybody yeah, yeah. check it out. Blockbuster payment. Thank you so much for doing the show. You were absolutely lovely to meet and to talk to you. It's very clear to me that you're a real basketball fan. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you mentioning that it was uh, uh, Cooper that got dunked on by Dr. J and not Matt. <laughs> so of course. Thanks, man. Thanks this for doing great. the show. That's it. That's the show. My special thanks to Mr. Payment Benz, a fantastic guest. I had a great time talking to him. He's also a phenomenal sport. It's brutal to have to tell these guests that their moments aren't going to make the Hall of Fame. But that's how seriously I take this. It's a small room, small room Hall of Fame. Only the best sports moments. Support Payment anyways. Follow him on social. Check out his shows and his work. Great guy. Thanks, Payment, for coming on. Thanks also to Blake Lively. Hey, I want to go with you. I want to go with you, Blake. <laughs> Credits. The show is produced by Jessica Sang. It's edited by Rob Bob, Robbie Ruggi. Music by Rhythm J. Follow him on his socials at Rhythm J. The shout out today goes to Jeff Bramhall at Jeffrey Bramhall on Twitter. He called me off for inducting the Joakim Noah Steelen dunk because the dunk happened to be on Paul Pierce. And you know what? There is some truth to that. That did matter to me. You're not going to scare me, Jeffrey. I can do what I want. I'm the host and the owner of the First Battle Hall of Fame. Sometimes things happen. Like sometimes people boof on Paul Pierce and get inducted to the hall. It happens. It is what it is. No, thanks, Jeffrey, for listening to the show and for tweeting about it. I really appreciate that support. The show keeps growing. Week after week, we keep adding followers and listeners. It means a lot. We have some great guests in the coming weeks, so please come back next week for more First Ballot. Hey, I want to go with you. She's so good. She's the best. <laughs>